watch a few of my favorite rom-coms with you. Harry met Sally, Lena met Katie, we're your quirky best friends and, and your leading ladies. Me cute or online date, is love an algorithm scripted or fate? It's the rom-com effect, we're here to be direct about the love we expect in the movies we dissect. Sometimes have a guess. Does it pass the Bechdel test? We're on a movie watching quest. Because of romance, we're obsessed. It's a rom com effect. It rhymes with rom com effect. Rom com! Love them. Hello! Hello. <laughs> uh, one more time. Do it like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> How does she actually do Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Hello! <laughs> Dan Aykroyd as uh, Julia Charles. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, oh, hello, and welcome to the rom com thing. One, two, three. Hello. hello. <laughs> welcome to the rom com effect. I'm Julie Andrews. You're Julie, and I'm Robin Williams. I don't know. <laughs> and we have our guest Katie Galt here with us today. Too many Katies. Two what are you going to do? You're going to put glasses on one of them and... Take the glasses off the other one, you know? You know, so that's that all you can, can do. Tell the difference. Tell them apart. I'm having a hard time because they're both sitting on the couch together in my home and I'm just like, who is who? I don't... We're both know. wearing jeans. Yeah. We're yeah. both white girls with brown, brown hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's we, very hard. We're, we're similar in a lot of ways, but different in important ways. <laughs> One of us is a murderer. Can you guess? <laughs> Which one it is? Oh, my knife! <laughs> no, Katie, no! <laughs> Katie, stop it! <laughs> Alright. Okay, so... <laughs> Why is your Katie really? going to someone's voice like, okay. Katie, stop it! <laughs> Katie, <laughs> Katie, stop it! Get <laughs> away from me now! <laughs> don't, you, don't you do this to me! Don't you do it! Oh, oh, oh. Please don't stab me, please! He was turning into George Bailey. <laughs> Hey, Katie! You want me to stab the moon for you? <laughs> stab it for you right in space! Mary, I'll do that for you. Mary! Oh, George! Okay. Next week, on the wrong company. <laughs> we talk about It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Um, I, okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, so Katie Gall is a dear friend of both Lena and mine, as you can probably tell by this choo-chooing on into Bit City already. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, we, well, I met Katie outside of college, but we went to the same college. Yeah. We dated the same boy. We did. At different times in yeah. our lives. We technically had a meet cute. Yes. Which would a, be... A mutual ex. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. There's nothing cuter than that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I ended up getting a job because Katie Galt helped me out. So yeah. I owe so much to Katie Galt. <laughs> we all worked together on the same show. Yes, we did. And when I first met Katie, we were all PAs, and I remember meeting her and being like, we're either going to be best friends or worst enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both. We're both. We've managed to ride the line. Yes. But the killer amongst us has managed to not kill the other Katie right. somehow. Oh, I dropped my gun! <laughs> Get it off! Get that out of the house! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Pamela! Uh, Let's ride this bit until it dies. Yes. 
Um, so Katie Galt, Katie is the one who suggested Joe versus the volcano. And why is that? What is it about this movie that you love so much? Well, here's the thing. We have a whole, a trilogy really of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. And it begins at Joe versus the volcano. In right? 1990. In 1990. Which by the way is this, that's, Meg Ryan is fresh off of When Harry Met Sally. And she's like, what do I want to do next? I want to do Joe versus the volcano, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating turn for her. It is. I mean, she got to play three different characters. Yeah, I mean, it was it really you know showcased her her acting talents. I, I think, and uh, it kind of is a this. It's a movie that like captures quintessentially for me like the late eighties and early nineties. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like a vibe that it has, and it's very unique in the rom com world because it doesn't romanticize romance. It romanticizes right. depression. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, um... A brain cloud. And brain clouds. And, and existential you know, crises. When you, when you see the city of New York in this film, it's not, like, bright colors, like, oh, it's sunshiny days. It's literally, like, drenched in clouds and mm-hmm. gloom. Mm-hmm. And it's not until he gets okay. away from the city and away from his life that he actually starts to see a lot more color and uh, fall in love. So I just think it's a unique film, very underrated. There are problems, <laughs> for sure, yeah. in the film that don't <laughs> age well, but um, I think the thought behind it is something that you just don't see a lot in rom-coms. It's very so. original, for sure. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, there just aren't a lot of movies I can think of like right off the top of my head that deal with like existential crises and whatnot, yeah. but where romance is also part of it. Because, like, mm-hmm. I can think of plenty, like, existential movies where it's just, like, a sad white man just, like, trudging through life. And he's like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this one, it's a lot more colorful and stylistic and interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it deals with that in a much more interesting way. Yeah. So, yeah. Katie, what was the first time you saw this movie? I I can't even remember. I mean, I surely didn't see it in theaters in 1990 when I was three years old, but... <laughs> I think I saw it sometime around college. I definitely had seen it in college because I remember talking to people about it. And everyone I speak to that about this movie, no one's ever seen it, um, from our generation at least. And anyone from the older generation, <laughs> they have seen it, they're like, what? That pile of crap? Yeah, you know, it didn't but... have a good reception when it came out. No, but it had a good enough reception that it created, a, like I said, a trilogy for right. Tom Hanks and uh, Tom Hanks and and Meg Ryan and I think and I know you guys love you've got mail but we can can we all agree that Sleepless in Seattle is trash it's absolutely trash I can't like I saw it once probably in high school and I was like oh no she's a creepy stalker what is this yeah. movie I'm very curious to see it we're gonna do an episode on it I'm very yeah. curious how I'll feel this time around but mm-hmm. I have a feeling it'll be pretty similar. Yeah, she's not I just mean, stalking a grown man. She's stalking his child, too. Yeah. At the same time. The, that movie, and for me, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, the whole point of putting Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in a movie together is to see them together. Right. And so it's infuriating to me that you don't see them together until the end. Yeah. yeah. That's Come crazy on. talk. Come Come cast anyone. Uh, so, okay. yeah, I mean, you have the Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movies. I think this is the best one out of the three, even what? though you, I know that's like... But, I mean, both their other films deal with one of them stalking the other, kind of. True. Or knowing information that the other one doesn't know. Yeah. Where this film is about 
Well, Meg Ryan plays, uh, spoiler alert, she plays three different characters, mm-hmm. and each one of them opens up to Joe, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, and he opens up to her in, like, the most blunt ways possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, like, really refreshing in the Tom Hanks-Meg Ryan universe, right? Yeah. Where one of them is usually manipulating the other one. Right, yeah. they're not guarding secrets. It's like, it's he all... makes it known that he is going to jump into a volcano. Yeah. Pretty He's like, just to let you know, before we sleep together, I'm dying, and Dee Dee, the first Meg Ryan, she's not having it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, he's honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's honest actual... about not being yeah. able to handle that. Yeah. yeah. She leads a simple life. <clears throat> yeah. In that dark, dank office. Mm-hmm. Well, Katie Chilson, have you seen this movie before? What's your experience with it? Uh, so I had seen it once before because being young and impressionable and new to the middle, uh, <laughs> I can't... Oh, did I tell you to read? Yeah. Oh my god, you know. Yeah. Uh, Katie Galt told me to watch it, and I was like... Okay, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. And I liked it. I love a hint of magical realism in mm-hmm. movies. Big Fish is one of like my all-time mm-hmm. favorite movies. Uh, and this movie is not like Big Fish. But, it, you know, there's a man on an adventure in search of something. And there's like crazy unrealistic stuff that goes along with it. So I, I first saw it, that was probably six years ago. And I really liked it. And I don't think I was... Ex- as excited about it as Katie Galt. Uh, <laughs> Most people aren't. <laughs> but I, I truly enjoyed it, and I was a little flabbergasted at the time at how a Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie had kind of, like, slipped by the wayside in mm-hmm. my movie knowledge. And then I didn't watch it again until a few weeks ago in preparation for this very moment. This very moment. Is that a song? No, I just made it up right oh. now. Oh my god. Wow, we gotta follow up our, our hit the rom-com effect theme song at this very moment. Yeah. Do a remix! Anyway. Um, <laughs> Lena, had you seen it before? Never in my life. Okay. And I also hadn't even heard of it. That's I was crazy. Like, Can you corner you at work? No. You know, you may have I'm like... Shocked. You may have ranted <laughs> about it to me at one point and I just like, I don't know. <laughs> stick with me, but... Um, I've definitely drunk ranted about this movie to most people I know. Yeah. 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 Um, like my grandparents. <laughs> Did they see it? Probably. Oh. I don't know. My mom... My grandma thinks everything's trash, so... Oh. Mm. That's tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unless I make it, then she thinks it's great. Aww. Um, so yeah, this is the first time I've seen it, and I, the trailer is very misleading. I was like, is this whole movie going to be on an island with a bunch of... Um, Nathan Lane's? Weird... A- a- Vagodas? Uh, cultural <laughs> yeah. depictions of uh, island... But no, that's only the last ten minutes. It's lit, yeah. So I was very surprised when I watched it. I was like, "Oh, they don't get to the island until towards the end," and I was very relieved to find oh, out yeah. that was not the case. Um, but no, I I enjoyed it. Oh, the first two thirds I really liked because I also really enjoy movies that are stylistic and surreal and have that magical realism quality, especially about like existential questions. It was giving me similar vibes to. The Fisher King, which was one of my favorite movies for a while, 1991, Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams, and, like, The Truman Show, even. Because, like, Mm -hmm. that is a very existential movie, but it's got that, like, grandiose feel where it's just, like, the cinematography feels more 
like surreal and the colors and the music are just more intentional. To me, it feels like a little Michel Gondry. Yeah. Yeah, The what was a cool thing about this, and I guess we can get into it later, is that the imagery and the set decoration and just the the world itself was built in a cool way that rom-coms are usually not. Yes. And I would be fascinated to hear what the director was thinking with certain, like, very small details, like, everyone in the city own, like, if they own a dog, it's a Great Dane. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. So all of the dogs are Great Danes I in the movie. I didn't notice that. And you have, like, the use of color right. is very specific. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, and the use of warm versus cold color. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, the it's very cold and very stark. Grim Until the blue. moment that he walks into his doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And there's literally a lit fire mm-hmm. in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And he's being told, you know, you are you have a brain cloud. You're going to die in mm-hmm. so many months. And that somehow is the warmest scene in the movie. Yeah. Because he realizes that he can be himself. Yeah. It's awakened to it that opens fact. his eyes yeah. to life. I was also curious stylistically because there's a lot of art deco, like architecture and decoration in the beginning at mm. the factory. And that always makes me think of the great Gatsby. Like the art deco and Gatsby are like inherently linked yeah. in my mind. Also <clears throat> some metropolis in there with mm-hmm. like all of the workers walking this like craggy path into the warehouse and then even up the volcano well he mentions it later he says he was he's talking at some point about uh his path and how he and how he kept walking a crooked path he Uh, says something about that in the end and he literally in the beginning is walking a crooked path yeah and don't forget that he this is a they keep using the the concept or the term uh soul sickness Mm -hmm. in it that everyone that he meets and he himself they're soul sick and um, at the very beginning of the movie, before we even hear any dialogue, he loses his soul. It breaks off of the his, soul of his the shoe. soul of his shoe. Mm-hmm. So he lo- he's lost his soul at the very beginning. So it uses imagery <clears throat> in that way. You don't see that a lot. In no, a lot not at all. They're trying very hard, mm-hmm. and you can see the try. But I still appreciate it all the same because it's so of the time. Yeah, it's and refreshing to see any movie just try to be a little bit more original or even symbolic because we're just like so inundated with like the blockbuster movie that it's like anybody who tries anything different even if it's not that good I'm like I'm glad you at least did it I'm glad you tried like there should be space for all of this I feel like Mm -hmm. so but anyway let's let's just give a brief synopsis because I'm sure a lot of the listeners have never seen this movie and I don't know if they'll go out of their way to watch it. I hope they will. But um, Katie, can you tell us? Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. All right. We got Joe Banks. All right. Start with him in the morning. He's going to his uh, morning routine and he is trudging into his workplace with everybody else. They're all cogs in a machine and their workplace, I would say, is very important to describe this as the factory looks like it's a small world if it's a small world was like in your nightmare mm-hmm. um, on the outside. And on the inside, it's all fluorescent lights that are flickering and bad coffee. And he works with uh, this first Meg Ryan that we meet. She's going to play three characters throughout. And the first one is Dee Dee. And his boss is this guy that yells on the phone all the time. And he gets he's, an, he's a hypochondriac. And so he keeps going to the doctor to see if anything's wrong with him. And eventually the doctor tells him, 
Well, yes, you do have something wrong with you. You have a brain cloud. It's a cloud of uh, tissue that runs down the center of your brain. You're going to die in three months, but you'll be happy until then. And he's like, what? And he's like, hmm, pretty relieved to hear that he there's actually something wrong with him. After all this time, thinking that there's something wrong with him, people telling him no, he's finally got someone to confirm to him his worst fears and uh, his, all of his hopes. Uh, and dreams is that he actually is very ill. And so he quits his job. He asks Dee Dee out for dinner <laughs> and go out for a nice and she dinner. Says, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She thinks he's crazy because he puts on a performance when he quits his job. Yes. He threatens his boss. He mm-hmm. holds him up against the, the wall. And, and it's very, it's actually a very, uh, <laughs> I love that scene because you're just like, this is what everyone wants to do when they quit their job. Yeah. He gets that big moment quitting his job and then, but at some point, uh, this rich guy comes to him and he's like, hey, I heard you're dying of a brain cloud. Do you want to, you know, jump into a volcano for this island that I have invested a lot of money into because of the natural resources that are on it so that their, their people will give me those natural resources and you're going to save their culture because they require all of this sacrifice and the exposition, is, the exposition this is man is gets out in thick. three sentences is yeah. hysterical. Yes. So, so to be clear, the island needs to sacrifice a human every hundred years to keep a, willing, a volcano, a willing sacrifice to yeah. keep a volcano from blowing up to save its people yeah. and not put the whole island under volcanic ash. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Joe is the perfect candidate. This old rich guy finds him, and he's like, I'll give you a million dollars to do this. You're going to die anyway. And Joe's like, all right. Literally, his response is like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. And that's uh, where we are jumping off point. Goes out with Dee Dee. He has a great date with her. He hires the uh, the mariachi band to come over and sing a beautiful uh, song. Sing a beautiful song for them. That's going to make their hearts burst. Apparently, it was a Spanish language version of the song "On the Street Where You Live" from My Fair Lady, hmm. oh, which is actually know. one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, <laughs> you were meant to Interest- see this movie. It was an interesting choice. I thought that was cool. <clears throat> and uh, then he and Didi hit it off. They go back to. His, his place. place. Um, so, you know, get a little crazy. And then he reveals to her that he's dying, and she goes, You're dying? <laughs> and because that's what Meg Ryan sounds like in this She's world. got kind of a New York accent. Yeah, but also kind of Midwestern. It's just, a, it's just a very special. Joe! Joe! Where are you? What's going on? What's changed? Oh, Joe! <laughs> Um, exactly like that. And, um, she can't handle the fact that he's dying, so she leaves. And then he goes on a fantastic shopping montage with his limo driver to get all of the stuff that he needs for this voyage. It's going to be a plane voyage, then a a ship voyage, she tells him. And he has a great relationship with his limo driver, who he buys. Marshall. Yeah, Marshall. Marshall. And it's so funny to me that Marshall is like, this sounds like a personal problem when Joe's asking him, like, where you should go shopping and stuff. And he's like, I can't tell you. I have a He gets out of the car and then he hops in the backseat with Joe once he's like, you know what? This is your business. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) all right, let me hear it. I love that part where... He's, he's like, Joe, where do you want to go? And Joe's like, I don't know where. I don't know what clothes I want. What clothes should I get? And he says, he the driver stops the car and he says, they just hired me to drive the car, sir. I'm not here to tell you who you are. <laughs> and I just love that, like, no bullshit, just like, I'm not going to tell you who you are. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. But Eventually he, he relents. He's like, I'll help you, like, figure out what you want to buy. But, yeah. It's yeah. great. And therein lies the existential theme as well, mm-hmm. where Joe is trying to find out who he is. And he finds out through, you know, all Other these different people. stages and all the people that he meets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fantastic luggage that he buys. Oh. Is, this movie is a lot about luggage. luggage. Yeah. He buys uh, four giant... Uh, Trunks. Were, trucks, yeah. From a guy who says, my central preoccupation in life is luggage. Yes. And then when he buys them, he says, may you live to be a thousand years old. <laughs> um, and Jeff, and, like, I'm jumping into a volcano. But. Yes. <laughs> so then he uh, travels to LA where he meets his next Meg Ryan, which is Angelica. And she has red hair and she talks kind of low like this. And Joe... What do you, where do you want to go, Joe? And what are you doing, Joe? Joe, do you want to hear my poetry? Yeah. She has poetry. She is the daughter of the millionaire that has hired him to jump into the volcano. And she is basically picking him up and driving him around and then eventually dropping him off at the ship the next day. And on their journey together, she, this is the darkest version of Megra, and she asks him, uh, she reads him a, a very short poem twice, mm-hmm. and then she asks him if he's ever thought about killing himself. And she has no idea that he's actually going to kill himself uh, by jumping into a volcano. But he tries to encourage her to essentially not be suicidal. And she's also suicidal because she has no... She has lost herself no and her own purpose, and she lives off of... She is very dependent um, on her millionaire father. She's a flibbertigibbet. And she's a flibbertigibbet, so nobody tells her anything. No, they don't trust her. I yeah. love that she introduces herself. She's like, I'm a flibbertigibbet. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever heard anyone say flibbertigibbet, and, but Which, I'll never forget the word because yeah. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Which means that you're like a whimsical young lady. Essentially like a manic pixie dream girl kind of But it also means flighty. you can't, you'll, you can't keep it secret. Yeah, yeah, gossipy, flighty, yeah. whimsical. So, um... She actually tries to sleep with him, and he says no, and she drops him off, and then the next morning, they have a fantastic breakfast in a bird cafe. Mm. There's another weird little detail. There's, like, chirping parrots, and he's going to an island, so I find that that was probably very specific, and also, like, we're not in New York anymore. This is what cafes look like in L.A. (laughs) They have birds. They have birds in them. Uh, so yeah, and then he gets on, she takes him to the ship where he meets our third and final Meg Ryan, Patricia. Who's blonde. Who's blonde and is the traditional Meg Ryan. And she doesn't have a weird voice, she just speaks like Meg Ryan. The most natural, confident version of Meg She keeps calling him Felix and he's like, my name's Joan. She's like, I do what I want. That was their meet cute right there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Getting on the boat. Getting on the boat. And then they're on a boat and we got... Then, like, having some fun and games, you know? Mm-hmm. They're fishing. That was uh, so she gets, This is the weirdest moment of the movie, is that Meg Ryan gets a bunch of fish, and then he finally gets something on his line, and it's a hammerhead shark. Yep. That is oh. the, the clearest, like, it's not even trying to be real. It's, it's like so a, It's like a living cartoon version yeah. of a hammerhead shark. It's got little eyes that go like, you know, like, when it, and then the, he screams and he throws his line back in the ocean. And then the, it's we never talk about that again. Back to and the movie. End of montage. End of montage. <laughs> yeah. Then things get serious. Then things get very serious. Well, there's a typhoon coming, mm-hmm. and we get a very interesting, green. yeah, a very interesting green neon green scene where yeah, the, like the fog is rolling in, yeah. and somehow it's, it's neon ominous. green. It's yeah. very piratey. Yeah, mm-hmm. but 
Um, and then Meg Ryan, I want to say this character is, uh, she seems to know very clearly who she is. She's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. She like, runs this ship. Yeah. Um, she's taking him to this island because her dad, who she's also, by the way, the daughter of the millionaire, but she's a half sister to Angelica. Mm-hmm. And so the father has told her that she can have this boat for free if she takes this dude to the island, which to me is like, hey, dad, you're a terrible father. Yeah. You're sending her to an active volcano? That's weird. You know? Yeah, that is weird. She's an independent lady. I but she's like, independent, so yeah. she's going to do whatever she wants. That's yeah. her whole motto is I do what I want. Mm-hmm. And she slowly starts to fall for Joe, and he falls for her. And then we get this typhoon warning. They're going straight into typhoon, and they have their first kiss during the typhoon. Oh my, I'm so they like make out, and then I played it over. <laughs> it's a great kiss. It's a great kiss. And then immediately after they kiss, uh, she gets hysterically knocked off the boat oh, no. by the mast. Yep. I had to rewind that part to it. Like, no, Meg! <laughs> I was worried she was going to die, and then there'd be like another iteration. Yeah, of you don't know. Please. It's very, you know, you never know when you're going to lose your Meg Ryan. Honestly, that would have been cool if there was another Meg Ryan mm-hmm. on the island. And then he has to deal with just like more death, you know? Yeah. And it would have definitely been a racist version of yeah. Meg Ryan, though. So let's all well, be glad yeah, that should be thankful. Yeah. So she gets knocked in the ocean. He has this momentary pause which is like dude why are you pausing why are you pausing but he oh, jumps yeah. into the ocean after her yes and um he bring he rescues her from the deep and then he watches the boat capsize when it's split in half by lightning mm-hmm. it's very titanic it really is it sinks fast it sinks very fast and we don't see any of the crew on it because they don't have the budget for that cgi so uh, uh it's just suddenly but they're, we, but they're, they're dead gone. they're, they're dead. Dead. fucking dead. dead dagmar is dead okay guys yes. since you brought up the pause before he jumped in mm-hmm. was it a moment of oh he's not a hundred percent entirely prepared to die yes i think so yeah yeah. yeah. The the movie has a theme of uh, great leaps. Mm-hmm. And that is like a momentary, like, should I take the leap? Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes the leap and he jumps into the ocean after she's passed out because she got knocked out by a fucking mast. Okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, who wouldn't be? And miraculously, his four trunks of luggage pop yeah. up from the deep. Saved by his amazing. luggage. Saved by his luggage. He ties them together, makes a raft for the two of them, and then he has There's all room for both on there. There's room for both on there. That's yes. what I would say. It's very you. close to Titanic there. Yeah. Five years later, after this movie, we would have a... A tiny a, door. A, t- a tiny door. And only one person fitting on top of it mm-hmm. when two people can definitely fit on top they of it. They both should have been on there and it would have created more warmth. Ugh, yeah. So stupid. So dumb. So dumb. Anyway, they are on top of this little raft made out of Joe's luggage and, and he's she, got all the stuff that he bought inside of it. Yeah, all the stuff he gets, he has a shaving kit in there and he has a little uh, violin bar, mm-hmm. violin case bar. He an has umbrella. an umbrella that he puts over golf. her mini golf, a little putting mat. Uh-huh. And he um, lets her drink all the water. He puts a little thimble, and it se- makes it seem like they uh, float around for a, a strong like two weeks. Almost. Yeah, they and and she days. is passed out the whole time, which makes like, me very worried. She needs food. She needs. They both need food. He gets burnt to a crisp. Ugh. And yeah. he and is so dehydrated. He basically says goodbye to the world. He he thanks God for his life that he during has. a spectacular moonrise. Oh, that the moon is great, beautiful and giant, and very like it. It's very much like a religious spiritual experience yeah. mm-hmm. for him and for me as a viewer. Yeah. yeah. And so he says goodbye to his life, and then we cut to black, and then he's awoken by. Patricia, kind of like laughing at him. 
salty she's like, she's like, you gave me all the water. She's like, you, you silly. Dumb. Wake yeah. up, Joe. He's like, literally. His a, lips are like prune. so chapped. He's like, Ugh. Yeah, 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 for you. A great a precursor to Castaway. Yeah, yes. I was thinking about that too. Yeah, also his weird dancing on top of the boat is oh, yeah. very nice. Uh-huh. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so they end up getting picked up by... They float right into the island that they were meant to be at, mm-hmm. um, which is super convenient, I think. Yeah. And they're and, greeted um, by Nathan Lane. By Nathan Lane, dressed as a Polynesian... Islander something. regalia that's Yikes. also made of a lot of orange soda cans because they worship yes. orange soda cans. Yeah. Kind of like, what was that movie? God, God. The movie I was thinking of is The Gods Must Be Crazy, which was made in the 80s. It was a South African comedy movie about like a bunch of Coca-Cola cans fall from the sky oh, over this remote South African yes. village yeah. and they start worshipping the Coca-Cola cans. So I think it was a direct reference to that with the orange soda in their like headdresses and it might their be. outfits. Again, another theme of the movie is capitalism. Yeah. So I think that if you can't get the clearance rights mm-hmm. for Coca-Cola or Pepsi, then you probably think of, like orange soda is a very generic brand. Like you can call something orange soda and it's just orange soda. But um, I think that that's what they're probably going with. Right. Uh, with the orange soda is just the idea of like the fact that they are still relying on a like Western version of capitalism to fuel their society mm-hmm. on this like weird Polynesian island. Mm-hmm. They try to explain away the clear whitewashing of this culture by saying that the island was discovered by the Romans many centuries ago. And it is now a combination of uh, Polynesian, Celtic, Celtic, and Roman. And Jewish people, yeah. Which is, it's, Ew. I mean, <sighs> I knew that was, nice that was try. Def- yeah, nice try. That was definitely a studio note. They stuck it in there on like a de- line of dialogue. Yeah. Like, well, this is maybe a little bit racist. Uh, okay, well, we can we'll make explain it, it away. We can explain it away with some really like. Uh, it's an amalgamation of all of these ancient cultures, mostly. European, yeah, but yet but for some the, the reason, chiefs are white, and all the other people yeah, on the not. island are Samoan or Polynesian. So it's just yeah. oh boy, that was it's tough. yeah, it's definitely it's, it's not good. good. Yeah, it's not great. Oh. It only luckily we only have to watch this part of the movie for like ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah. So um, we get there, and they have this weird routine that they do in welcoming both Joe yes. and Patricia. They slap him with a fish. And Mush a him. banana in his face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, mean, she's, but she's getting the star treatment. Yeah, she's like in a spa, so yeah. that's fine. And he's like getting beat up a little more. With an octopus. Yeah. 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 So then uh, they have a feast, and then they send him off the volcano, and he gets up to the top, and Patricia's like, no, I love you. And the, he's like, I love you too, but I'm, I gotta do this. I said I was gonna do this, I gotta, you know, I just gotta do it. And then she's like, well, I'm going to jump in there with you then. Let's get married. Which was crazy. It's crazy. Me. So they stop and get married by... Yeah, by Abe Vigoda. Yeah. Who plays the um, chief. Who plays the chief. He says, you want to marry him? You want to marry her? Okay, you're married. <laughs> and then they kiss. And then they kiss. And then she says she's going to jump in with him. And he's like, no, you can't do that. And she's like, no, you know, we got to take... It. And this is one of the craziest... 
Mm -hmm. uh, lo logics of any <laughs> character ever. Yeah. She says, you know, sometimes you just gotta take that jump, Joe. You gotta take that leap. And then we just see, we just see what happens. We, we don't so know. We, we, we don't know. We don't know what comes after. Yeah. Sort of, and I was sort of like, I mean, I guess you're right. Maybe you guys will both end up in heaven together. I think that's like what her yeah. hope was. Or but like, she's why like, has she suddenly become like? I know. This way, it, that's it. Doesn't it's a turn that doesn't make sense. No. But it's it. It goes against what her somehow she had. knows she's yeah. in a rom com. Yeah, and she's like, no, this is what we have to do for the climactic moment of this movie, <laughs> and also to to cue up the most ridiculous, weird pre CGI. Uh, shot that has ever happened, which is oh that they God, jump yes. into the volcano just as it is erupting, and the gaseous cloud of smoke uh, that pops up spews them out of the volcano in a hilarious fashion because they have no budget. Clearly, it's like two solid. Yeah. It's like two sticks, like, like yeah. a and then just like a like a tunnel of smoke that just curves over yeah. the sky into yeah. the ocean. And even though land. scientifically we know that if you got that close to a volcano, right. Um, and the smoke hit you, you would immediately die and Because <laughs> it's hot. It's really hot. Because it's hot. They it's jump really hot inside of a volcano. Life hack, it's really hot die. inside a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> Some like it hot, okay? <laughs> volcano. That's what that movie's about. Yeah. yeah. And they get uh, they get thrown into the ocean, yeah. and then the uh, the volcano erupts and kills all an of entire the entire island an, nation. An, an entire island nation. And it sinks into the ocean. That was the yes. part I had such a it problem. Just kinda, I was like, yeah. I was like, are they going to comment on the fact that an entire unique civilization has just sunk into the ocean and they're all dead? No, no. no. because we're too busy worrying about our two white cis heroes. Yes. <laughs> And how are they going to survive? Well, yeah. guess what? The luggage pops up out of the ocean. Hell yeah, How did they get there? We don't know, but it's there. Most reliable luggage that yeah. you don't have to keep track of. It keeps track of you. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And then they tie it together and they make a raft and they're like, uh, we don't, you know, we're still really far away from civilization. We're probably going to die out here. And then they just come to terms with that and they're like, it's cool. Like, like, and then they have, you know, we're going away from the things of man. Which is essentially we're saying we're leaving capitalism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that but is the... <laughs> I, I did love that element of um, Patricia's character where he asked her earlier on, like, why do you want this boat? And she was like, I just want to be far away from the things of man. Like, I just want to sail away. That's, like, what I want to do with my life. And he, obviously that strikes a chord with him. And so it ends on that, too. It's like, at least we're far away from the things of man. Mm -hmm. Which... I want as well. <laughs> Thematically, it really hits a lot of the points that it's trying to to make, and the like. Really, the Polynesian island is the big problem in the movie. It would definitely not survive in current political culture. No, um, and it does not age well, even in the least bit. Didn't even age well when I watched it in college, which was many years ago. Yeah, but you know, apart from that the themes of the movie and the existential crises that all these people are going through, I think are, are what make it, you know, mm -hmm. a great movie for me. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just a fun adventure. I, yeah. I love big fish or forest gump or Joe versus volcano type adventure where there's all these little Easter eggs that mm -hmm. pop back up. I love a plant and payoff and this movie delivers on that front in mm -hmm. major ways. I just remembered that I didn't say at the end of, uh, the explanation of the movie mm -hmm. that 
at the very end, he turns to Patricia and says, like, oh, I there's just one more problem, though. I'm still dying mm-hmm. of a brain cloud. Oh, right, yeah. And then Patricia says, a brain cloud? What the heck is that? And then he says, oh, it's my doctor. And she, he says the name of his doctor. And she's like, that's the name of my dad's doctor. Mm-hmm. And my dad's his only client. And then they find out, basically, that he has been conned this whole time. He, he's not dying. He doesn't have a brain cloud. And uh, he gets to live. Yeah. And, well, supposedly, if as long as they survive this weird uh, journey yeah. together, floating through the middle of the ocean. And, and he suddenly has, like... Of that look of relief of, like, now he's relieved that he gets to live. Uh, yeah. Because um, he finally learned how to enjoy life. And I yes. was wondering if that doctor thing was a plant by the billionaire, like, when it first happened. So I was, like, proud of myself for guessing ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on. But, but yeah. That's an important thing to crazy. note. <laughs> yeah. He's it not, is important he's still dying. And make, seeing Meg Ryan... Do three different characters is a treat, and they're yeah, so you know, weird. To see so her weird. do stuff like that, I was like, "This is her audition for SNL." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, like Catherine O'Hara's Moira Rose on Schitt's Creek, her accent, like uh, Meg Ryan as Angelica, is like the closest thing <laughs> yeah, to sort of true. making up an accent as you can get to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like Moira's accent is unparalleled. It's amazing, but David. <laughs> <laughs> That's the farthest I can go with that I can't even do... I can't even do it. Alexis. I can do Alexis's voice. Yeah. David! David, you try parallel parking in a burka. <laughs> David? Ew, David. David, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, I think... I, for me, you, um, it's a very clear. It's very clear to me why they chose uh, Meg Ryan to to play three parts, and it's purely because they needed a name. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get a name actress to only be in a third of a movie, right? Um, and then it's also fun to have her do it. But yeah, I that to me is what <laughs> is really sets this movie apart from anything else she's ever done. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a, I think that they probably had a lot of fun with this. I would oh, yeah. love to know what Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan think about this particular movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, they clearly enjoyed their time together because they went on to make two more movies mm-hmm. together. Yes. And they, I think, are still good friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would like to think that they had a fun time making it. They know what the deal is with mm-hmm. it. They're aware. But, you know, they were, like, earlier in their careers. Like, very well established, but earlier in their careers. Yeah. Oh, and then God, do I love the scenes with the two of them on the boat getting to know each other because mm-hmm. it's just such vulnerable, uh-huh. such a vulnerable conversation. Let's just talk about the three Meg Ryan. Shall we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, get to that part. But um, so first off, we start with Dee Dee, and she's the kind of neurotic office employee who's living her life according to capitalism's whims and probably not questioning it that much. Um, at all at all yeah and she's really like kind of cutesy and a little dumb and like when he asks her out on that date she's like yeah okay wow what a change (laughs) and then they go on their date and she's just like what's gotten into you joe like she's just very like mickey mouse like Mm -hmm. oh you know yeah she's taken aback by him showing any sort of like 
willingness to stand up to their boss, any sort of discontent with his life as it is. And I think she finds it attractive to some degree, but it also scares her. Right. And that's why she ultimately ends up leaving because she can't handle the thought of doing anything other than what's expected of her in this life. Yeah. So you got you got that, Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. And then we get Angelica. Angelica. Angelica Graynamore, which I thought was an interesting last name. The the billionaire's last name is Graynamore. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it was like Gray No More, like no more sadness, no mm-hmm. more dreariness. I don't know. That's what I thought that was about. She injects some color into Joe's life. I thought that's yeah, what yeah. they were trying to do. So Angelica is like this vampy, like LA kind of flaky, flippity gibbet. Mm-hmm. And flirty. She's and, like a socialite. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's an artist. I feel like. Obviously, they're playing off, like, this sort of, like, L.A. stereotype of what, like, L.A. women oh, were sure. at the time. But they still, like, inject some complexity to her, even if maybe she's not super smart. Maybe she's, like, stuck in this life that she's been given. But, like, she's smart enough to be aware of well, like the, Dee Dee, the shortcomings. Similar to Dee Dee, she does what's expected of her within this role that she has... In L.A. As a super rich heiress who's trying mm-hmm. to find meaning in her life despite not having to work a day. Yeah. She but has the unlike, car she's supposed to have. She has the hair yeah. that she's supposed to have. She hangs out at the restaurant she's supposed to have. She's supposed to. But she, unlike Dee Dee, is aware that there's something more. She's, she's just unsure of what it is, how to get it, mm-hmm. how to track it down. So it's he's like sort of finding these different types of women who are in the sort of phase that he is. Yeah, a, fa- a the similar phase of enlightenment as mm-hmm. he is, maybe. Yeah. And then the third version is Patricia, Angelica's half-sister. And it seems like they both don't really get along. They don't like each other. No. Um, but, but at the end of the day, Patricia even says, she's like, I care about it, Angelica. We're just like different people. Or yeah. she feels sorry for her or something. I forget exactly what she said, but it's something mm-hmm. like that. Because Patricia is seemingly as much as one can be the like master of her own will. Mm-hmm. Or believes that she has some control over that. If you looked at them as one character, there's like a pretty straight line of evolution between mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so Patricia is the end of that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where she has, she's fully formed and knows who she is and what she wants. For and that's part. what Joe is kind of chasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I love, so the conversations on the boat I really, really love because... Um, she calls him Felix and she's like, I just do what I want. And she's kind of just trying to like be dismissive and rude to him. And so when they get on the boat together, like later at night, he asks her like, why did you keep calling me Felix? Like, why are you so rude to me? Like, I haven't done anything to you. And she says, you're right. I'm sorry. I was rude to you because it was an extension of my anger at my own father because you work for my dad and I don't like him and I don't get along with him. I don't like what he stands for, and we have a strange relationship. And then it, she basically says, uh, this quote was so beautiful in my mind. She says um, she's even madder about her relationship with her dad because her dad asked her to do this favor of transporting him to the island and, and telling her, like, I'll give you this boat in exchange. And Joe even questioned her. He's like, that's all you need to repair your relationship with your dad. And she's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then she says, I feel ashamed because I had a price. He named it. And now I know that about myself, mm. which is like, wow. Like to know that like all it takes is for your dad to say, I'll give you this boat. And that's enough. Like that sucks Yeah, to know but that about yourself. In her defense. Yeah. 
that boat not just represents, but offers so much more than right. just, like, a check. It offers her freedom. It offers her a position of authority. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, she had a price and it was named, but yeah. it granted her freedom. So, oh, like, yeah. her freedom was also part of her asking price? I don't know. That I don't begrudge her that at all. But yeah. I, I, I just loved the complete candidness of that entire conversation because I do think in so many rom-coms, it's like no one's being fully honest with each other and a lot of the like story behind a romantic comedy and getting the two characters together is like oh one of us lied to the other and how are they gonna take it when we reveal the truth yeah but this movie it's like no they reveal the truth at every single turn and they're having these big conversations like right at the get-go well, it's interesting because we watched While You Were Sleeping just a couple days yes. ago. And that is a classic example of not just one misunderstanding, but like Millions. a dozen misunderstandings. Yeah. And this movie doesn't have misunderstandings at all other than the setup of the billionaire being behind the lie right. about the brain cloud. That's the one big misunderstanding that sets everything in motion. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not a, a misunderstanding. romantic misunderstanding. It's a purpose. It's a manipulation. It's a it's a manipulation, which I would classify under what I'm talking about. Manipulations and misunderstandings mm-hmm. in a little bit of the same boat. But there isn't a romantic manipulation or misunderstanding at all in this movie. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, refreshing to see a man and a woman in this case having a very candid discussion about the meaning of life and establishing a relationship on that basis. Like, they're already talking about the big stuff. And, oh, man, I just also love the conversation where she's talking about how he asked her, do you believe in God? And she says, I believe in myself. I'm confident in myself. And so they talk about, like, just seeing someone who's really confident and just not afraid to say that. And then he says, I... Because Joe isn't He's confident. not. And that was the thing I loved about the two of them is, like, the difference between them is she believes in herself and he says, I have no interest in myself. I'm bored when I talk about myself or think about myself. And I think the fact that she was so confident and seems to like her life or what she's building out of it is what's attractive to him about her. Katie, we ask all of our guests the same question, which is what is a big rom-com moment from your own life? It can be a trope. It can be a grand gesture, just something from your own life that kind of feels like it could belong in a rom-com. Do you have anything that comes to mind? Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, so I, I, I dated a guy a year ago. Um, his name's Josh. We're not dating anymore, but we're still, we're still friends. Um, and, uh, and he obviously knows this story, so it's fine. But, um, Josh is also a writer. I'm a writer. I don't know if I would, if that was made clear, but we, let me be clear. Katie is a very talented and funny television. (laughs) Yes, she is. (laughs) Um, and he so happens to be one of the best, uh, novelists that I've ever met. Like he Mm -hmm. is a brilliant, brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. And I actually met him, God, it's probably 12 years ago now Mm -hmm. in Phoenix um, I was working for this magazine. I was the editor of the magazine, and I didn't get paid. I got paid in, like, haircuts and gift certificates. Also, you also think working in a magazine is such a rom-com. Wow. It's very oh, rom-com. It was, it, was, it was not your traditional um, <laughs> rom-com set. We, our receptionist didn't exist, and the, there wasn't even a desk. There was just a phone on the floor. Great. That was what our office looked like. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> 
and it was terrible working environments. Obviously, I was not getting paid. As I said, I was like an intern that was not paid except for gift certificates mm-hmm. by our sponsors. And it was like a clubbing magazine. I wasn't even old enough to like get into the places that we covered because I was only 19. <laughs> and um, I hated our publisher who was like the uh, my boss. His name was Perry. And he was just an asshole to us. And oh, Perry listens. And Perry probably is listening to this. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> hi, Perry. So <laughs> I basically create, uh, I, I don't know what you want to call it. I wanted to create a mutiny. So, <laughs> I mean, you guys know me. This is not yes. far off from just yes. normal Katie shenanigans. It's time to revolutionize. Yes, Such we called pirate. it the revolution. Oh this is at the God. time of MySpace, okay? So on MySpace, me and the other writers who were my employees, uh-huh. by the way. I was 19 years old, and they were my employees. And I, we started just chatting to each other. We would post things on each other's MySpace saying, like, Re- revolution, and Perry was going crazy. What does this mean? And what it did mean was that we were mutinying mm-hmm. against him. But eventually, it turned out, like, nobody... We didn't have a plan, and I just got sick of it, so I quit. And I, just, I quit in, like, a fuck you, I'm out of here. Good luck running your fucking magazine. <laughs> and then guess what happened? What? He hired this guy named Josh, okay. who was a brilliant fucking writer uh-huh. and so fucking good. At the time, Josh was like 23. He had just moved to Phoenix. And I'm getting reports from my friend Jenny, who's still working there, saying, like, he hired this guy. Like, I don't know. You, we thought he would not be able to hire someone for no money and nothing in return. But this guy, like, took the job and he's brilliant. Great. And I'm like, God, I hate him. Mm-hmm. I hate him. And now I was like, I've never met Josh. I don't know who he is, but I hate him. And so <laughs> that's a Caitlin Gilbert must have. Yeah, gotta hate each other. Just yes. I hated him, and I had never met him. And then he found out who I was from my friend Jenny, who worked with him at mm-hmm. this point. And um, he friended me on MySpace. <laughs> and then MySpace. he yes, this is all MySpace. I love it. Um, he sent me a, a direct message that was a story from his life. <laughs> that's what it was. It was like. I don't know, in pages, it would probably be like a two-page story, like single-space story. And um, I wish I had kept these or put them somewhere because we ended up becoming like pen pals on MySpace. And I clearly still wanted to hate him, but Mm -hmm. he was such a great writer and he would like send me some of his stuff that he's written. And he's not a comedy writer. He writes uh, drama. So we we became friends on MySpace and then I met him one time Mm -hmm. and uh, he's very handsome. After how long had you, do you think? Like probably two months we had been talking to each other on MySpace and then I went to pick Jenny up from work one day and I met him Mm -hmm. very briefly. And um, then... I think, like, a week later, he sent me a message on MySpace saying, like, will you go on a date with me, yes or no? Like, he was was mocking the concept of, like, a junior high note that he passed. But I was so freaked out by him. And I also, there was an age difference. I was 19, he was 23, which at the time is a very big age difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said no. And then I avoided him for 11 years. Wow. And then, um... Wow! <laughs> and then uh, when uh, I was going through kind of a mental breakdown mm-hmm. um, after losing a job, I started writing stories and posting them on my Instagram, oh, and right, one of yeah. the people that was commenting a lot about reading them and sending me direct messages about them was Josh, who mm. we are now friends on Instagram. Yes, we have, like, upgraded our social media <laughs> right. friendship throughout the, the years, even though we've, I, we've been, like, not really 
connected through those years. We continued to be friends on these social media platforms. And so he would send me just like uh, messages about how nice my writing was and how great the stories were. And we started talking more and he sent me more of his material. He had, he's written like nine books. So we kind of reconnected. And then when I moved back to LA, uh, we started dating and we dated for like two months. Um, and generally I'll say that I am a terrible dater and two <laughs> months is generally what I, the time frame that it takes for me to decide. Like if, <laughs> if this isn't a forever thing that I'm going to cut it off. And with Josh, especially we have such a, like I wanted it to work so badly because we have such a, a deep connection on mm-hmm. a level that I probably don't have with many people at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there was just something not there mm-hmm. and I can't even define that. But, um, so I like ended the relationship and we're still friends. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he thinks that too, but <laughs> we, do still, we do still occasionally talk. Probably. Yeah. It's, it's always hard, you know, when you end something that yeah. was good, but not enough, I guess that you want to remain friends, but it's like, you don't want to hurt someone any further right. by continuing to be in their life. But yeah. yeah, so I I mean, that is, to me, the... It didn't end the same way that any kind of rom-com right. would, but that, to me, the 12... That 11-year gap is the... Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, so, yeah. I love the dynamic, too, of the the communication over two different forms of social media. Yeah. Like, I can, I can just totally see that being a thing in a rom-com where it's like, oh, well, we messaged on MySpace, and yeah. then... You know, it then Facebook, then Instagram. Yeah, it upgrades over the yeah. years. You don't hear about relationships, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, starting over letters, basically. Mm-hmm. An epistolary relationship, yeah, which is always beautiful and romantic in yeah. its own right. Mm-hmm. Just that idea. Yeah. yeah. And he truly won me over. Yeah. I wanted to hate him so badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just, like, wouldn't let me. He's yeah. too charming and so yeah. a writer. <laughs> yeah. That's a very sweet story. Yes, thank you. And it's so real that it doesn't necessarily have the outcome you want from it. But exactly. Still, like, still yeah. nice that you guys are in touch. Yeah. Um, Katie, are you looking forward to any rom-coms, or is there any rom-com media you've been really enjoying lately? Um... Well, I will say that the, recently I saw The Long Shot, and I thought The Long Shot was really great. Oh, yeah. So I enjoyed good. it. Yeah. I really um, it. So I, I'm glad that rom-coms are coming back um, yes. into our lives. They were gone for a very long time because they just weren't making any money. But I think in that time frame that they were gone from mm-hmm. our lives in the form of film, they were actually built up like through television. And um, people yeah. don't think about television a lot when they are thinking rom-coms, but uh, some of the greatest, my favorite television shows are definitely in the rom-com genre. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I would say Pushing Daisies is oh. such an amazing show. That is... That and was that was a heart wrenching loss when that. Oh um, my god! I still I can't rewatch it because I know that it doesn't have a satisfying yeah. ending. And yeah. I really appreciate them for for trying. They have a little montage at the end, yeah. but all we want is for these two characters to touch each other. Oh god! And that's like how like 
what a beautiful concept for like a rom-com of like two people who can't touch each other i know it was, oh, the tension that's yeah. tough for me to watch so good because i would need that kiss like halfway oh, you oh there's a oh there's they a, have the the, a the, the, yeah, the yeah i remember yeah. that yeah um, um and then they have to, there's a dream sequence <sighs> yeah yeah there's a sexy dream sequence but yeah the, i think I uh, that and time. like you've got shows like superstore that have rom-com elements mm, in the it office Parks um, and, Rec. and even like more like a lot darker um yeah. toned rom-coms and by that i would say like you are the worst oh it's yeah a very dark rom-com but mm-hmm. one that goes through the motions of all the the rom-com like tropes but in a very real way mm-hmm. and deals with a lot of real issues that people have. Yeah. Um, emotionally and like mentally. Fleabag. 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 Fantastic. Especially season oh two. Oh my God. It's yeah, a love story. Two. She tells you. Yes, it is. First thing. <laughs> Fleabag. So I'm just looking <laughs> off into the distance. Also. Forlorn. Forlorn. For classic, like super tropey sort of love triangle ones. Uh, younger. Uh-huh. Yeah, and great, the yeah. bold type. Bold oh, type yeah. is great. Oh, oh God, God. I love yeah. the bold type. Yeah. And Craziest Girlfriend, of course, is playing with all of those tropes. All of those mm-hmm. yeah. So, it, like, it's been blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. I love how many TV shows are... Yeah, they're fi- they've been filling the rom-com void for the last yeah. decade. I just don't think they get, have gotten the credit that they deserve for filling that void. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and you have some people now. who are openly, openly talking about, like, Mindy Kaling just oh, openly yeah. loves rom-coms and, like... Learning. And her show, Mindy, yeah. The Mindy Project, was fully a rom-com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the pod, Katie Galt. Thanks for having me. You're, You're dying! friend and a talented writer. Yes. Thanks for listening, and make sure to follow us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our Instagram's fun, you guys. We post <laughs> updates about it. And we stuff. have Quirky Best Friend Fridays. Yeah, we do. And you can and follow them in real life too, and it'll be just like Sleepless in Seattle. Okay, Katie, don't suggest that. All right, oh. I've already gotten so many creepy letters. What about the meat cutes? <laughs> <laughs> Through the DMs, yeah, the meat cute DMs. All right, well, thanks for listening, and catch us next week on. The rom-com effect. Rom-coms. Sometimes we have a guest. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if my life passes the Bechdel test. (laughs) Did I did I did I pass the Bechdel test today? Nope. I'm just talking about boys. All day boys, 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 I didn't see another lady all day. <laughs> <laughs>